Please join me in uh, welcoming Pastor Becky. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray uh, over her before uh, the sermon. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and pray that uh, you open our hearts and our minds to your words. May the Spirit speak through Pastor Becky and uh, just uh, encompass us and enfold us in your love. Amen. Amen. Well, as was just mentioned, we are going to be reading and hearing from Psalm 121, which may be familiar to most of you, many of you. It is the second of 14 Psalms of Ascent. And when we look at the other Psalms of Ascent, it is clear that this is one that was sung while the Israelites were on the road, while they were traveling to Jerusalem to celebrate festivals in the temple. And that's one of the reasons why some people know this as the Traveler's Psalm. So let's turn to God's word and hear from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This psalm reminds me of a hike that my family took when our boys were quite young. We were exploring the area around the the eastern part of Lake Superior. And a friend had recommended that we go on this beautiful hike in Lake Superior Provincial Park. We were assured that it would be the perfect hike for a family with young children. It wasn't too long. And so we set out, and it certainly was beautiful. We could hear the sound of the waves crashing in the distance as we hiked through the woods towards the shoreline. But it wasn't long we had a problem. All along the path were hazards. There were tree roots and sharp, jagged rocks sticking up in the middle of the path. And one of our sons was just old enough to demand that he be able to walk without holding onto a hand, but not quite old enough to understand that you need to go carefully and pay attention when you're on such a path. And So we would walk along and try to keep a close watch on him. And we'd see a tree root or a jagged rock just ahead of him, and we'd reach out and try to warn him, and he just eluded our grasp and would fall. But he would just jump right up and be on. But it was probably about the fourth or fifth fall 
when he narrowly missed hitting his head on one of these jagged rocks. And my husband and I had visions of our son laying there bleeding as we were miles away from help with no cell phone signal. And we knew that we just couldn't continue on this path. We couldn't protect him from the dangers on the path, so we had to remove him from the danger. The path to Jerusalem that the Israelites would have been traveling were filled with dangers as well. Israel is a hilly and a rocky country. The paths were likely narrow little tracks going along cliffs and drop-offs. And most of these villages where people were coming from were quite far away from Jerusalem, so they would be traveling several days So the psalmist begins on this journey by looking ahead to the hills and the mountains that they would need to navigate on their way. And maybe there was an element of anxiety as he looked up at those hills. Where will my help come from on this journey? The psalmist, by looking up and ahead, and as he crafts the psalm and teaches it to the travelers, it's meant to reassure them that they are not on this journey alone, that God is watching over them every step of the way. And like I said, many of these villages were remote, so that meant that they would have to camp out under the moon overnight. And maybe that sounds romantic or beautiful to us, but the moon was a source of fear for the Israelites. They believed that if you were out unprotected at night, that you could lose your mind. And they had heard the stories of how bandits liked to hide in these hills, waiting to attack a traveler who wasn't paying attention or who maybe slipped on this path. So they feared not only the bandits and the wild animals that come out at night, but they feared their very sanity at having to sleep out under the moon. And so this psalm reminds them that God is watching over them, protecting them from all harms that come by day and by night. But despite that, they knew that harm sometimes comes. Bad things sometimes happen. They had heard the stories of people's feet that had slipped on their journeys, on these paths. They had heard about travelers that never returned. So what about that? This psalm is also a reflection of Israel's journey as a people reminding them that God has been watching them every step of the way in their history as a people. But again, when they reviewed their history, they knew that sometimes their feet had slipped. After all, they had been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. They had been forced to wander the desert for a generation. They had lost battles 
And they had been exiled for 70 years in Babylon and subjected to foreign rule. History included plenty of harm and seemingly slips on the path of life. What about those bad things? Why didn't God stop them? These things, they they give us a new way of thinking about this question, where does my help come from? Because it certainly seemed that there were plenty of times when their feet had slipped on their journey as a people. Most of us, we can think of times when our feet have slipped on our journeys. We happen to be in such a time right now in our country, in the world. It feels like our foot has not only slipped, but maybe we've fallen off a cliff sometimes. In his book, Lament for a Son, Nicholas Wolterstorff writes about such a time. He talks about how his, his son Eric had been on a hiking trip in Austria in his early 20s. And he loved to be out in the mountains with God. And so he would often go on a hike by himself. But one day, Eric's foot literally slipped on the path and he fell to his death. And this book is a, an account of Walter Storff's trying to come to terms with that grief while still holding on to faith in God. At one point he says, I have no explanation. I can do nothing else than endure in the face of this deepest and most painful of mysteries. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and resurrector of Jesus Christ. I also believe that my my son's life was cut off in its prime. I cannot fit these pieces together. I'm at a loss. To the most agonized question I have ever asked, I do not know the answer. I do not know why God would watch him fall. I do not know why God would watch me wounded. The power of Walterstorff's words is that in our deepest hearts, many of us have wrestled and asked these same questions. We believe, but why do pandemics sweep across the world? Why are so many people struck down? We believe, but why does God watch while people are oppressed and abused by those who should protect them? Why do some people seem to be at so many disadvantages just because of the color of their skin? We believe, but why does cancer cut so many lives short? Why did that child have to die? Why did that accident have to happen? Why did that marriage fail? We hold these two things in tension, our faith in God who loves and watches over us 
against the many times that it seems that maybe he wasn't watching so close because we've slipped on the path. We look up to those mountains of grief and pain and injustice, and we wonder, where does my help come from? And the psalmist has an answer. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Our help comes from the one who made the mountains and the sky and everything in between. This psalm is meant to remind the Israelites that their God, Yahweh, he's not like the other gods that the nations around them worship. And as they looked at the mountains around, maybe they saw those high places where shrines to these other gods had been placed. So this psalm reminds them that unlike those weak gods, Yahweh made everything. God never falls asleep on the job. But not only that, God is actively involved. God watches over Israel. That word is repeated time and time again in this short psalm. God is watching over, guarding the people. He guards through the heat of the sun, through the light of the moon when they were afraid at night. And then in verse 7, the psalmist broadens this aspect of God's watching. He says that God is watching over your life. And that word life is the Hebrew word nephesh. And that word encompasses all of our being, our soul, our breath, our passions, our desires, our very heart, our entire existence. God is watching over more than just their physical bodies. He's watching over their entire beings, keeping them safe, ultimately safe. And then as we continue on to verse 8, the psalmist expands it even more. It's more than God watching just here and now, but now and forever. And with these words, the Israelites are assured that wherever they travel in life and wherever they travel beyond life, that God is watching over them, guarding them, keeping their entire selves safe. Walter Brueggemann refers to this psalm as an orienting psalm. It's meant to orient the Israelites to God's love and care for them despite everything that comes in the world. Bad bad things happen, but the Israelites are reminded that God never takes their eyes off of them. He's closely and lovingly watching every step they take. And God will bring them to safety, whether here in this world or in the next world. And they can believe because God is nothing like these other gods He created and he holds everything, including them. And this powerful, never-sleeping God holds you as well. 
God continues to watch over all of your comings and goings. But not just from a distance. God came to live with us. God came to walk these difficult paths that we walk. To experience your pain firsthand. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the Messiah, came to be with us. To show us who God is. Sometimes when we're going through difficult times of extreme trauma or pain, it's, it's hard to talk to people. We, we think they couldn't possibly understand. They have never been in my shoes. But God has been in your shoes. Jesus has experienced betrayal and abandonment by his closest friends. He's grieved the death of loved ones. Jesus was oppressed and persecuted. Jesus was tortured and executed. Through Jesus, God suffered the harms and the pains of this world because he loves us so deeply. Nicholas Wolterstorff was reminded of this. He came to this conclusion He recognized that God's suffering reveals God's great love for us. Walter Storff testifies, We're in together, God and we, together in the history of our world. Every act of evil extracts a tear from God. Every plunge of anguish extracts a sob from God. But also the history of our world is the history of our deliverance together. God's work to release himself from his suffering is his work to deliver the world from its agony. Jesus is our good shepherd. He put his life on the line for us. He knows you and he loves you. He laid his life down for you. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says that he gives his sheep eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them from my hand. No slips on the paths of life will remove you from his ultimate care. But Jesus didn't leave you alone when he returned to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit to live with you and in you. We're told that the Spirit is given to you by God to help you and to be with you forever. And in Romans 8, Paul talks about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The Spirit is always with you, testifying that you belong to God, reminding you that you belong to God. The Spirit helps you when you're weak, when you're in pain, when you're sad, when you're grieving or oppressed. The Spirit is with you in those moments when you can't find the words to say to people or even to God. And in those moments, the Spirit is in God's presence, bringing your heart and your soul and your being before God with groanless, with words that are 
only expressed in groans. We know nothing can ultimately harm us because the Spirit reminds us of that. God takes the evil things, the the things that Satan means to harm us, and he doesn't let them win. He redeems them. Just as he took the death of Jesus, which Satan meant for evil, and used that and turned that to save us. And that evil act, which was defeated, it defeated our ultimate enemy, death. Satan does not have the last word. Pandemics do not have the last word. Oppression does not have the last word. Death does not have the last word. God guards your whole beings and turns those things that Satan meant to harm you for your good. Our tradition has a confession called the Heidelberg Catechism. And the very first question and answer states beautifully, it tells us that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. As we look at the troubles in the world and we ask questions about why these bad things happen, we can be confident that God holds us in his hands. God knows your pain firsthand. And God cannot be beaten by these things, and he will not allow you to be beaten either. That eighth chapter of Romans goes on to tell us that none of these things, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, the heights and the depths, nothing can separate you from the love of God that you have in Christ Jesus. God is continuing to keep watch over you every step of this journey. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for these promises that you will never let us go, no matter what may come. Thank you for the gift of your spirit that reminds us of this and carries our hearts to you when we cannot do it. We pray that you would continue to strengthen us on our journey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.